Welcome, Rinkrats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast, episode 35, exclusively sponsored by the Premium Hockey Outfitters at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use that discount code, The Rink, to get 10% off of all of yours. You get all the wonderful rink gear. So that said, today is Wednesday, November 7th, 2018. I'm Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? Yes, Satan. And I'm joined here by my co, uh, my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello. Hello there, you millennial hipster wannabe farmer. You're dude. being very on, dude. <laughs> dude. Dude. Man, I've got certain information. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us today from Rockford. <laughs> Or at least part-time yeah. Rockford, uh, Mr. Mario Terabasi. Hello, sir. Yeah, part-time residency. Yeah, our local Jeremy Carlton expert, right? Was that our local Jeremy Carlton expert? Yeah, yeah. I'll. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sad. My my time with. With Coach Carlton was was short but sweet. Um, I don't foresee myself uh, getting to talk to him anytime soon. <laughs> well, since John brought it up, there we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna petition for a different version of that. <laughs> <laughs> feel free, feel free. Anyone who wants to vote. At the Rinkcast, you know, let us know if you got a better version for Mario. Send it along, use it. Yeah, try it anyway. Hey, the best the best clips come from the fans, so it's it's not all in my head or any of our heads. All seven of them. Yeah, because <laughs> we we know that uh, there isn't a whole lot going on in our heads, or at least that's what we've been told. Just anger and hatred, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. (laughs) So, well, the big news was uh, dropped on us yesterday, yesterday morning. Uh, Joe Quenville fired. Uh, I think we were all surprised. Jeremy Colleton takes over, which kind of a little bit of a surprise. We didn't, I don't think any of us expected that uh, Colleton would be ready to take over, would be put in that position er this early. Uh, the, the rest of the uh, uh, coaching staff was let go as well. Kevin Deneen, Ulf Samuelson, Don Granado actually stayed on. Um, and he will join Barry Smith now uh, on the bench with Jeremy Colleton. Uh, Derek King takes over in Rockford, and he's still got uh, Mr. Brookbank, Mr. Sheldon Brookbank, the banker, uh, on the bench with him in Rockford. So... Jimmy uh, Wade also stayed in Chicago as well. Who's that? Oh yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Wade. Wade. Yeah, 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 Jimmy Wade yeah, the, stuck around. Yeah, the goalie coaches; those guys are weirdos anyway, so they're never included. But uh, yeah, it's good for Jimmy Wade because Jimmy Wade's a good coach, so I, I wouldn't want to see him go. Yeah. I was, I actually was originally a big fan of Kevin Deneen, but his years went on. Uh, I, I kind of lost; he kind of lost my favor. But anyway, so John, what what do you think? Uh, what do you think? Well. The first, my first thought was, and, I, and I, others stated this as well, that it, the timing of the announcement was a little suspicious, A, coming on the heels of 
the LA Kings firing their coach. I mean, I think it was within 48 hours. Um, you know, so you, you had to kind of wonder if, um, you know, that move wasn't giving the Hawks a little bit of cover, but, but also happening on the morning of the biggest national election, arguably in the last two or three decades. Um, it was probably timed as such because it was certainly not uh, well received by the fan base. I mean, almost universally, um, you know, ranging from, you know, just people being sad to see Joel Quinville go through people are pretty dang pissed off about it, you know, and, and uh, um, my sense of it is, I mean, Gate, you and I have talked about it here on the show that we felt like Colleton probably was the coach of the future, um, especially at, at such time as the Hawks, you know, really transitioned into more of a true rebuild mold mode with younger players. What we didn't foresee um, was the, the Hawks, um, while we agreed that it was possible that Quenville could get fired this year, we didn't foresee Colleton replacing him. Um, and we had some, some roundabout about that. And folks, go back and listen to the, to the ring cast, all of them, and you'll find it somewhere. We talked about it. Yeah, um, I was going to look for the clip, but I just didn't feel like listening to two of them all. Um, it's really it's really interesting because, you know, as I said in, in my uh, analysis on it on the, on the, on the website yesterday, um, you know, if if this was a move to jumpstart this team for this year, it made a lot more sense to go out and get somebody like Daryl Sutter um, or even, you know, a wild card like Ted Nolan, who can come in and immediately command res- some respect of a veteran roster um, and, you know, in, impose some discipline and, and jumpstart the team. Even Ken Hitchcock, um, who I believe is, is employed now anyway somewhere. Um, but. It, the, the Colton thing really feels like this is a guy that the Hawks have had their eye on to bring in as a head coach at some point. They said, let's go ahead and do this now. I also think that Barry Smith has been brought in to lend some gravitas and some guidance to Colton, who is 33 years old and probably younger than at least two or three of the Hawks veteran core players. Um, and, you know, it's and he's never coached in the NHL, um, not even as an assistant. Um, so I th- I think that, um, you know, it's all seems constructed for various reasons and purposes. Um, you know, one last comment on it. Uh, we predicted before Quinville was let go that the Hawks were going to have a really rough November with the schedule. And, you know, Colton's going to get a couple of relatively easy games here. Um, Carolina home and home in Philadelphia, um, but then starting on the 14th, uh, eight games in, in 15 nights against St. Louis, the Kings, the Wild, the Capitals, the Lightning uh, in Florida, the Capitals in Washington, uh, the Panthers, Vegas at home, and then at the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you know, we, I, we'll probably talk some more about, you know, Colton's coaching philosophy. He's a very progressive thinker. Um, he allows the players to be a bit more creative on the ice, certainly on the power play, um, which is all encouraging. You know, however, the you know it sort of begs the question that I think a lot of people ask when this happened: uh, Was it Quenville? Was it the coaching, or is it the roster that the coaches were given? Because um, there's no question, I think, in anybody's mind that the overall talent on this team, either through aging or through subtraction of the Artemi Panarins and the Nicholas Jomersons, 
that the overall talent level of this roster has gone down. And anybody not seeing that needs to stop drinking the Kool-Aid because they're going to poison themselves and die. Um, so the bottom line is um, that the Colton theory is going to be put to the test here really quickly. And if it fails, um, if the Hawks continue on the trajectory they've been on of late, which is not good, pretty much swan dive, um, then I think that, you know, Mr. Bowman and, and Mr. Mr. Bowman Jr. and Mr. McDonough and his his um, operative, Mr. McIsaac, I think the the um, the harsh light of scrutiny is going to be on them and deservedly so. It's just a game, man. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've not been or I have been critical of uh, Joe Quenville, but you're going to be critical of any coach. I mean, you're not going to agree with every move that he makes. I don't think that, uh, you know, he was necessarily the problem in my opinion, but uh, we'll get, we can get a little more into this later. Uh, I think that, you know, despite what was said in the press conference, and I'm going to play some clips of the press conference coming up, but Please. despite despite what was said in the press conference, about there being there being no power struggle, I think that's just a line of horse crap, because uh, there are several moves that were made that just don't kind of jive with what Joe Quenville likes on his team and likes to use, and I think in several instances you can go back years and years, uh, several instances where you find these situations where Joe Quenville was giving these players that we knew he wasn't going to want to use in the first place. I mean, Trevor Daly was kind of one of them. A lot of players that uh, were just kind of thrown at Joe Quenville, and he's like, here, you have to use these players. And he didn't deal with it real well, and I don't know that it's necessarily his fault either. I mean, you have to the GMs and the coaches have to be on the same page. The GM has to get the coach the players that he needs for his system, and when that's not happening, you're, you're going to have problems. So that was that's kind of my opinion of this whole thing. Um Mario, what did you think? Um, yeah, I mean, you guys have hit it pretty much from all angles. Um, obviously, the, the first reaction I had um, was kind of just shock. Uh, just just from reading the words, you know, online, you know, the Blackhawks have relieved Joel Quenville um, as head coach, and it was just like, you know, it was it was kind of a, a from a from a fan's perspective it was just kind of a jarring thing to to, to see happen um, obviously the writing was kind of on the wall going to, going into this season knowing that pretty much Quenville and um, you know who knows down the line who other who else's job is on the line this year but coming into this year it was pretty well known that his job was on the line probably Bowman's and, and McDonough all on the line this year in one, one way or another. Um, it just, I like you guys didn't expect it to, to happen in the middle of the season at this point. Well, not middle of the season, but early on in the season at this point. Um, and on the flip side of that, having Jeremy Colleton um, come up and, and replace Quenville uh, not even with, uh, you know, an interim tag on it or anything like that. It was, they just brought him up and said, he's our guy now. Um, I think that move was also um, waiting in the wings, but uh, again, surprised to see it happen 
it, it all just happened so 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 early on this year. Um, I really feel like it was a move that probably should have happened in the off season if it was going to happen because um, you know if <clears throat> if you're going into this year uh, trying to say and, and we'll we'll get to it in the press conference uh, what 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 was said but if you're if you were coming into this year with the expectations that, you know, this Blackhawks team was going to compete for the playoffs. And if that's still the, the mindset that you have, um, I don't think you bring in a, a coach that brings a, a whole lot of maybe with him. Um, you know, maybe Jeremy Collin will step in and, and command the locker room and maybe, you know, he'll bring some, some scheme changes to, uh, to the team and, and um, you know, his, his words is that he's not looking to wipe the slate clean with what's been going on with the, with the team so far this season, but just making some tweaks, maybe those things will work. I, I think if you're, if you're trying to be a playoff team, it makes sense that you would have a coach that is uh, already has the, the, the rapport with, with the locker room and, you know, the, the resume that, that Quinville has, um, so I, I think you you take that into consideration, and um, you know if I don't know, it's 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 weird to process because uh, on the one hand you're sad to see uh, a coach like Quenville who was so iconic uh, to not just the Blackhawks but you know the the the, the sports landscape in the city of Chicago. Um, obviously, he's going to be a, a surefire you know, hockey hall of fame coach and will go down as, as one of the greatest ever. Um, but you know, you, you, you see him go, but you knew it was, it was possible and you knew it was, it was coming just very, uh, shocking to kind of see it come so early on. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what happens with, uh, with, with, with Carlton at the helm now. Um, obviously, last season and early on this season, having been uh, around him with, with the ice hogs um, got to know a little bit of, of his style, uh, a little bit of his personality. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of feel a little bit of a, of a, you know, personal rooting interest for him outside of just wanting the Blackhawks to succeed. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting move. Um, but uh, you know, from a fan's perspective, knowing uh, how the Blackhawks have performed under Quenville over the last, you know, 10, 11 seasons, um, it's hard to see happen, but it was, it was necessary. So. Yeah. If you, if uh, the fans go back and listen to some of the stuff you wrote, you actually did an interview with him right before the season began. So it's still Mm -hmm. pretty fresh. So anyone who wants to go to the website, www.com, the dash rink.com look up uh, Mario's stuff in the, in the interview it was a phone interview right yeah it was it was yeah. over the phone it was it was yeah. before the 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 season started just kind of getting his uh uh his his thoughts going from from year one into year two and um you know he he came in last year and and completely turned around uh an ice Hawks team that you know was went from last in the division two years ago um changed up their, their, their coaching staff, brought, brought Colleton in and, um, you know, got them into the playoffs and then got them 
as far as they've gone in the playoffs as an AHL franchise um, since uh, since the Ice Hogs have been in the American Hockey League. So um, he came in, had immediate success, and uh, the start to this year was 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 kind of up and down, but for the most part, it was there were a lot of positives going on. But um, yeah, now it's now it's Derek Derek King show in Rockford, and um, yeah, Carlton's uh, in the big times. Debut is tomorrow night, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, so walking back just a little bit, um, as of right now, how the Hawks sit, um, they're six six and three, which as John eloquently pointed out recently, is basically six and nine because those nice. three those three uh, overtime losses are technically losses, even though they got a point. So they're basically six and nine. And like you said, nice. Oh, Peter Patter, let's get at her. Uh, that's good for sixth in the central, which means that they're only ahead of the blues. Uh, their goal differential is n- minus 10. Uh, faceoff percentage, they're 19th. Penalty kill, they're 23rd. Power play, they're 27th. Goals four, they're 13th. They've dropped. They were tied for first at one point. Uh, the last time, actually, we podcasted, they were tied for first. They've dropped halfway down the league since uh, the last podcast. Uh, for goals against, they're tied for 30th. Uh, 22nd in shots against per game. Uh, and as far as like possession uh, metrics go, they're 10th in Corsi, 13th in Fenwick, and they're 13th in high danger uh high danger save percentage so that's so, kind of how their team stacks up right now is Colleton takes over go ahead john here's the thing i'm really interested to see um i'm at you know you got jonathan taves patrick kane brent seabrook duncan keith Corey crawford i mean that's essentially your your remaining veteran core all mm-hmm. who all of whom are very well compensated um all of whom with the exception of crawford have three stanley cups um of which all of them played a significant role in getting. Um, I mean, these are guys who are decorated veterans. And, you know, they all had, as I understand it, and, I've, and as I've understood it over the years, they've all had a, they all had a very good relationship with Quenville. Um, and there was a great deal of respect both ways. Um, I'm really interested to see how Colleton can come in and command respect to these guys. Because i, I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure Barry Smith is 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 necessarily going to come in and they're going to go, ooh, it's Barry Smith. We better listen up. Um, you know, these are guys who've gotten used to doing things a certain way, um, preparing, practicing. Um, you know, and I, I think about the power play, for example. Um, it's been my opinion that that it's. I think the coaches have tried different things. I, I think it's it's a question of of personnel more than anything else, and really good players wanting to play a certain way and doing so under Quenville that wasn't always the best way to execute a power play. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see if, if Colleton can get their attention and get their buy-in. Um, I'm not putting money on it. Um, I'm not betting against it, but I'm not betting for it. I think a 33 year old coach coming in with, with players of this, you know, um, magnitude, I guess, and, and this level of respect and accomplishment and achievement in their careers. Um, you know, there was some stuff on, on Twitter the last couple of days, you know, someone ranting and raving about how, how the buy-in that Colleton was getting from the players of practice. And I have no idea how you can see that from, from a video you saw on the internet, you know, shot, you know, 
40, 50 yards away from the ice. I just, it's ridiculous, but whatever. Um, 30 minutes, 30 minutes into his tenure. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's going to be really interesting to see, and, you know, and I was just looking ahead into, into December, the schedule, they've got home and home with Winnipeg. They're on the road against Vegas. They've got Pittsburgh at home. Um, they've got a home and home against Colorado that nobody should dismiss as easy games. Um, they're they're They've got home and home against Nashville, arguably the best team in the league, um, and a home game against San Jose. Um, really from November 14th through December, the schedule is pretty brutal, um, for the Hawks. And, um, I'm just interested to see, cause here's the thing I feel about this. If they had to come out and said, look, we are rebuilding this team and we feel Jeremy Carlton has shown us at Rockford that he has a real ability to bring players along and to implement schemes with younger players and get results. Then I, you know, I get it and I'm totally bought in. I, I salute Q. I wish him a great ride off into the sunset or whatever his next gig is. But they've they've set this up that like, no, no, everything's all the expectations are the same. I mean, McDonough's interviews really make me want to vomit because I know he's not being truthful. No, and you're going to hear it in the clips. I specifically uh, pulled some clips. Know, They're going to make you want to throw up. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's you know, he's just worried about ticket sales right now, thinking that this is going to goose ticket sales, especially if they win a couple of games against Carolina. You know, then then the party's going to be back on and all the jabronis on Twitter are going to be posting all the crap about how great this team is. See, I told you, Colton's great. Colton may end up being a great, great coach. I just the timing of this and the construct of it strikes me as being almost a recipe for failure. I mean, it's going to be because he can't play center. And he can't play defense. And that's been the problem with this team is yeah. that they're they're really weak and really thin at center and super weak and super thin at defense. Um, and I'm not sure any scheme is going to cover up for that over the course of the rest of the season. Come on, man. It's just a game, man. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's for the jabronis. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I kind of went into a kind of a little, not, not necessarily a tirade yesterday on Twitter about this, but it's like uh, – you know, is is Joe Quenville the problem? I mean, did Joe Quenville sign uh, Chris Kunitz, Brandon Manning, and Cam Ward? Overpay for probably all of them. Uh, gives right. gives some no movement clauses out that means you can't get rid of them for all Joe these guys. Love to Seabrook. Yeah. I mean, and both of those guys were signed one year before their previous contracts were expired. Yeah, and these massive long term deals with no movement clauses. And both of them now look like terrible moves. And and Nisimov was signed to this long extension before he ever stepped on the ice for the Blackhawks. Right, right. I mean, we, we, we've we gone over this several times. Uh, and they can't give him away. They can't give either one of those those guys away now. They can't. No. But yet, Quen, that's, that was Quenville's fault. No, and, and I, like, I am not a Quenville apologist by any means. By any stretch of the imagination, there's, there are many things that... I looked at Quenville and I said, what are you doing? Like the fresh legs thing in the playoffs and, and, and all, you know, you go on and on and on about this, but yeah. uh, he earned himself a little bit better treatment than 15 game than, than the Dennis of treatment. Basically <laughs> he earned himself more than the Dennis of treatment because Dennis of did not win three Stanley cups for the Chicago Blackhawks. No. And Joel Quenville did. And uh, you know, he could have, you know, is it his fault that, you know, this, this team has got huge holes on defense. No, it's not. He's trying. He's doing what he can. He's got to, you know, rotate guys in and out. 
can anyone can anyone really argue with the moves of him? You know, sitting Brandon Manning, sitting Davidson. I don't think that any of the moves that he's made this year are really controversial. Um, you know, they may be to some who think Nick Schmaltz is the uh, first line center of the future, but he hasn't been earning that 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 playing time. So sitting him, you know, is probably deserved. But the guys who have earned playing time are getting playing time, except for Chris Kunitz. And honestly, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think the Chris Kunitz thing is is a directive from above. We signed him. You got to play him. Kind of thing. Could be. I, you know, I don't know. And I mean, that's I just don't my know opinion. People ask for him. <laughs> I mean, and that it, was his. That was his. His ticket out of town was <laughs> you. You asked for this bomb, and and he's done. And that doesn't strike me as being something that that makes a ton of sense because clearly the Hawks scouted him. Um, there were recommendations made, and and uh, again, we could talk. We can litigate that again all over again. I just don't understand why. For this team that clearly was not going to win a cup this year, they had to go out and sign a 38-year-old Chris Kunitz to be a to be a depth guy. I, I just don't see why you would do that, other than just being able to say you signed somebody. Yeah, and then again, I'm going to bring this up, and, and, I, and I'm going to play that. I promise, I'm going to play the, the press or at least parts of the press conference. It was 45 minutes long, so I cut it up into you know a couple smaller manageable pieces, but manageable pieces, but uh, where he says we're not just going to make a move to make a move. Well, you did make a move to make a move. You signed Chris Kunitz that you didn't need yeah. to sign. Cam Ward is debatable. I mean, they probably they, they needed a goalie. They didn't necessarily need Cam Ward at $3 million a year with a no-movement clause, but they did need a, probably a goalie. Yeah. Um, Brandon Manning, they did need a defenseman, but why Brandon Manning? Yeah, you would hope that they could have done better than why that. Why did they sign Jan Ruda for the, for the amount of money they signed him for, and now he's not getting playing time? Like, this is all questions that Joel Quenville didn't do any of that stuff. No. So, you know, I, I think now, he deserved a little bit better than that. He was going kind- back to your earlier point about Trevor Daly, um, it can be argued he didn't necessarily handle Connor Murphy that well last year. And certainly he, he didn't handle Michael Kempney nearly as well as Barry Trotz no, did. No, no. And so those are fair arguments. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. But, like, and we can go back to the summer where we kind of were making our predictions, and I said, you know, if the Blackhawks go on an 8-10 game slide, something could happen. And, yeah. you know, I was just kind of spitting things out there, and uh, I didn't think it was actually going to happen. I mean, I really didn't. I didn't think they were going to go on an eight or 10 game slide and they only went on a five game slide. And that's with a, I think it's five game slide with a play with a, uh, overtime loss in there. But, um, I didn't think after a five game slide, they were going to, hey, you know, turf them. Gate, do you have the clip where, um, they talked about going out and acquiring players? Uh, I do. I'm going to go. I'm, I am well, okay. Since you brought it I up, talk I'm, about that one. <laughs> we'll just go. We'll go with the first clip. I'm going to go right down the line. We can talk right. about it, and then we'll go to the next one. So here we go. Right. Here's the first clip. We need to get better. We need to get better, and we are all accountable. That starts with me. Mm-hmm. I have very high expectations for the people at this table. Rocky has very high expectations for me. Uh, our standards are high, and I believe they're realistic. What do you think of that one? Uh, just a big, fat uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're accountable. Well, when are you going to be held accountable if it doesn't work out? Uh, that I want to. That I want to see. Well, it's you not know, working out somebody now. Somebody else so, going yeah. under the bus. Right. Right. Mario, you got anything about that one? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the the standard rhetoric, like you know, what was it two years ago? The comments about heads will roll, and mm-hmm. you know, then it was it was you know it was Mike Kitchen that got that got axed. Right. Did that did that make a huge difference? No. You look up um, Patsy in the dictionary, you see Mike Mike Kitchen's <laughs> face. So well, but- I, yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone can have high expectations. Everyone can can you know demand the world from 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 this team and you know internally what what McDonough is demanding. But what's realistic is is really the issue. Um, and I I think you know their 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 comments of talking about you know scouting talent that they can bring in to to improve the team and you know having continuing to say that they have playoff expectations it's just it's it it just doesn't seem like they're operating in the same reality that i'd say a majority of other people who are paying attention to this organization are operating in so it's so just I, it's, it's just ahead. kind of baffling if i could jump back in yeah one thing that i heard from from one of my sources um not too terribly long ago was the latter part of the summer early part of the fall was that the Hawk front office could not agree on the value of their players that they might, or prospects that they might give up in trade, and the value of other teams' players coming back. And when I listen to McDonough make those comments, I want to give him sort of the benefit, sort of the benefit of the doubt in sort of a backhand way. Um, he may he may believe that it's possible for this team to be a lot better with some small tweaky moves and, and hiring the AHL coach. And, you know, and rise to that standard that Rocky Wirtz has set that he's accountable for. He may believe that because I don't think he knows a lot about hockey. I really don't. I don't think he ever has. Um, I think he's been around it for the last 10 years as the team president. But, you know, I, I just don't think he's a guy who, who, who deeply understands the game. I think he understands what he's told about the game. And, you know, that's why they had to give him a hockey advisor of his own, his personal hockey advisor, Al McIsaac. That's literally the guy's job is to basically advise McDonough on hockey, um, which in and of itself is just speaks to dysfunction um, in, in the front office. And I think that, you know, so I think that there are people who actually believe believe this stuff or want to believe it within the front office and they can't see what's going on right in front of their faces. I don't think Stan, I think Stan Bowman could see it, but Bowman reports to this guy. And secondarily, his is, you know, or indirectly, his right hand man, McIsaac. Well, I, I posted a picture today and it looked like, did you see the, the, the look on Stan Bowman's face? Yeah. It, it looked like right. he was standing on train tracks and was about to get hit by a train. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like, I, I, and again, I'm not a Bowman apologist either, but I think that there is some meddling going on in that back office that's restricting him from what he's able to do. Now, it's been I don't going on for years. It's been going on yeah, for years. Yeah. I can tell you that because I've heard it from several sources, including team employees. That yeah. it's been going on for years. Yeah, and 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 I'm not saying necessarily that he, that he's absolved from any of that because he's he he's definitely made some. Uh, he's bet on some questionable moves and they have not worked out lately. And uh, I I don't know how much of that is him and how much of them is McDonough, but some combination of the two uh, is not working out well lately with, with stuff. So let's get on the second clip here. We're the Chicago Blackhawks. We know 
who we are. We know where we need to be in the landscape of Chicago. And there is always going to be a sense of purpose and a sense of urgency with this franchise. <laughs> so show it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my Just, response. Yeah. We, a, a sense of urgency is not Brandon Manning, Chris Kunitz, and Cam Ward. Exactly. And that's, I, that's I, not urgency. I caught a lot of flack during the draft because I said, oh, you know, Blackhawks haven't done anything. They didn't do any, you know, they had a chance to do something. They have this high draft pick. They could have moved up. They could have done something. They could have made a trade. And they didn't do anything to make their team any better today. And, I, you know, I got some flack back. Oh, they're not going to get anyone that's going to help their team in the draft. I'm like, yeah, they might not. But maybe they could. If they wanted the team to be better today or, or starting day one, they could have made a trade, unloaded someone, brought someone in, done something. They didn't do anything. They brought a project that's maybe going to be two or three years down the road going to be, you know, playing in Chicago. Well, that doesn't do anything for the team today. That's there's no urgency in that. That's down the road. So that's you say that there's urgency, uh, you know, to win now, and then everything, all your actions say that you're making moves for down the road. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, you can't. You can't go into the draft with two first round picks and say you couldn't move one of those in in, in some sort of fashion to get a player that was going to make uh, a more than marginal marginal impact on the team this season. Uh, as, as, as great as Nicholas Bodine and Adam Boquist look down the future, you could do without one of them, especially since they're both defensemen, you could do without one of them and use that pick in some sort of package to get yourself somebody who this season makes, uh, makes a difference. And, and, you know, they didn't do it. And that's what I was. And, and that would have, that would have been a move that said, we understand the sense of urgency. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to be very cynical here. No. The, 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 yeah. I know. The urgency that he alludes to is urgency to sell tickets and keep his job. Period. That's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned it. He mentioned trying to uh, keep, keep season ticket holders in mind mm-hmm. and keep, uh, Sponsors. And, and, sponsors. And keep, yeah, he mentioned sponsors, and he said, he "said we want to keep keep filling this arena." Right. I mean, those are those are things that uh, you know might go over some people's heads, but if you're if you're you know in tune to this team, it, it's it you know you 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 know look look through the read in between the lines, and, and you see that you know they they've had a tough time selling tickets before the season and during the season. And that's, that's still their focus. And it's, it's, it's out. Yeah, out, I mean, out Rocky it's out Words, there. Rocky Wirtz is a fabulously wealthy man, but he's not Warren Buffett. You know, he's not Bill Gates and running in any, an NHL franchise in a city like Chicago um, with the payroll he has both on the ice and, and, you know, in the front office, et cetera. Um, it's a, that's an expensive proposition. And, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, building some, some facilities on the West side, um, you know, ex- expanding some things, et cetera. That's going to be very expensive. Uh, you know, I think he, and even in good years with all the expenses that have gone into the team, I don't think I, my understanding is Rocky has not made a lot of money off it. Um, I'm sure, you know, cause here's the thing. And we've talked about this. Um, it, it, it appears anecdotally mostly 
but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence to it that they did not anticipate how quickly the demand would soften, if not basically just fall through um, as it has this year. And that's what that's what got these guys really, really got their attention. Crap, we better do something. Um, and so when he talks about urgency, that's what he's talking about. And Mario, I'm glad you brought up, you know, talking about the season ticket holders and the demand for season tickets and especially the sponsors, because at the, at the end of the day, you know, money talks and BS walks and the sponsors are going to walk. If, if the on ice product sucks, they're going to leave. It's that simple. Well, that's 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 how the, that's what they did to the Bulls 10 years ago. Well, you if know? you if you listen to what the Blackhawks say, they say they lose money every single year. They haven't made money right. ever, according to them. That has right. got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so anyway, uh, speaking uh, speaking on the urgency, the rebuild thing here. Here's this clip. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't label it as uh a rebuilding. I referenced today more of a remodeling. We still have Hall of Fame players. My expectations ah! are that this is a playoff team. <laughs> and if you get in, anything can happen. So that is the phase that we're in right now. You know, you never know what to call it a rebuild, a remodeled. We want to win. We want to re win. And we want that building filled, and we want them to, our fans, to see an exciting brand of hockey. Um, and sometimes, as painful as it is, you need a fresh start. <laughs> that what, I love that. Is, wait, I've, I, the, the narrative. I brought it up earlier, and Jay Zawaski jumped on it too, and he agreed. Um, that narrative that oh, we just need to get into the playoffs. Anything can happen. That's a horse yeah. shit. Getting into the playoffs does them no good, except for it gets them two more home games that right. they can sell the fans. And beer sales and whatever they're going to get on it. That's all it gets them. Because what it does is it screws up their draft status and uh, moves them down the draft where they get, you know, mediocre players, which is what they've been getting, you know, before last year. Uh, you know, they got lucky with Debrinket, but, you know, every once in a while you're going to get lucky. But for the most part, the chances you're going to get, you know, a game-changing player getting dumped in the first round of the playoffs, not so good. So no. all this horse shit about getting into the playoffs – so you can lose in the first round, and and basically you're just setting yourself up po- very poorly in the draft, is is a bunch of crap. So well, if and again, if he really believes that if this team could squeak into the playoffs, anything can happen. If he believes that of this team, again, it underscores that he doesn't understand hockey, because this is a team that, that is not only not a good regular season team, but if by some miracle they got into the playoffs, as constructed. They're a terrible, terrible playoff team. They're small. They're soft. They're horrible defensively. I mean, those are that's the antithesis of all the things you need to be to be a team that goes deep in the playoffs. And they give and up a ton it's, of it's shots. Just bullshit. Sorry. Yeah. No, they give up a ton of shots. Yeah. That's that's disaster for the playoffs. And again, like we brought up this the stats. They're six, six, and three, which is basically six and nine. Nice, Mario. <laughs> um, it's kind of the same thing that happened, you know, a couple years ago when they got swept in the first round. They won a bunch of one goal games. They won a bunch, you know, they won a bunch of overtime, you know, mm-hmm. three on three overtime games, and it made their stats look inflated. They believed the hype, and then they went into the playoffs to get their asses kicked. Same thing. Could you could you imagine this team going in 
you know, let's say they, they go on some sort of, you know, they, they play above themselves, make the playoffs, and then they face, you know, Winnipeg in a, in a best of seven series. How do you think that's going to go? Dustin is Bufflin gonna, would is wipe be, the ice. Is that going to be anything can happen? No, four or that's five gonna, games. Four or five gonna, games. That's going to be another score three goals in four games and be absolutely embarrassed. Yep, exactly. And, like, yeah, okay, sure, anything can happen. Uh, yeah, anything can happen. You know, I could I could grow a third arm out of my chest and be able to <laughs> eat, eat dinner and scratch my ass at the same time. But it's not going to. Uh, it's... It's the, the the team, the press, the whole press conference, and I know we got more clips to get to, and it's yeah. just going to keep keep illustrating this point. But the whole press conference, to me, outside of just Colleton Colleton's comments about you know him coming in, the whole press conference from the from from Bowman and McDonough just made me, you know, again feel like this is just a a, a ship without a sail, without a rudder, and it's just kind of out there with no direction. And the, 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 the go ahead. The the uh, the rescue beacon is on <laughs> on the ship. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they're they're flailing. They're taking on water. They're desperate to try to change the narrative. And this was the easiest move they could think of. I mean, because they can't they can't apparently make any personnel moves on the ice of any of any significance. So we better get rid of Q. We got it because we got to do something. Figure it out. When you, when you get to when you have a team that's at this point, it's either, you know, if 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 you're steadfast on not moving anybody out of the front office, then it's either a player gets traded or a coach gets moved, and it's easier to move a coach than it is to to, to move a player. Yeah. So moving on, we're going to get on into into the uncomfortable land. Uh, this is the first question from Mr. John Dietz, uh, and. I think this is the one where you could hear McDonough gets a little bit angry. So confident last April when you talked to us about that Joel was the guy going forward to be the guy to lead this franchise forward. We're only 15 games into the season. What makes you make the change so quickly? A lot of people would think this is awfully fast. Because it's never too early, John. We had not contemplated a decision last year. Uh, We didn't have our goaltender. We didn't have Corey Crawford. Marion Hosa was out for the season, um, I thought, and our group thought, it was unfair at the time. Uh, but where we are right now, uh, we got off to a fairly good start, start slumped recently. Uh, we got to get this going in the right direction. We want to make sure that we're able to uh, salvage this season, do everything we can <laughs> to get this right. Uh, I've said this before, people always want to talk about what is the right time, John? What, what, what is the right time? Is June 7th the right time? Now he's getting December lectured. December 10th the right time. There is no right time. This is all based on feel and experience and a lot of dialogue and conversation with some really smart people as well as our owner before we, we get to this point. And I think this is a very patient group. We are built on continuity. Joel was here as our coach for 10 years. I've been here going on 11. Rocky took over the team 11 years. Stan has been here 10 years. Loyalty plays a big role in this, but it has to be loyalty tethered to results. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, so there's John Dietz, and, I, and you might not, you guys might not have heard it. I'm not sure if you're gonna, if this is gonna play through because the microphone was really bad on Dietz. But uh, I, I, I have to applaud him for asking the question. Uh, you know, he asked some actual difficult questions, and uh, John McDonough, I don't think, was very happy because after the second one, McDonough stopped even really looking at him for questions. But, Can I uh, go ahead? Make a comment. Yeah. Um, he talks about the last ten years. Joel was our coach. Stan's been here for 10 years. I've been here for 11, and Rocky started then, too. Um, I think that Mr. McDonough need, and, and perhaps anybody listening to him and, and taking his words with any degree of seriousness needs to be reminded of something, that Jonathan Taves, uh, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Dustin Bufflin, Corey Crawford, Nicholas Jalmerson, those players were all acquired prior to any of those people joining the Blackhawks franchise in any position of responsibility. Without those players, there are no Stanley Cups. So, and with those players, yes, three Cups were won. Um, and if you add into that, Marion Hossa, um, who was acquired when Dale Talon was still the GM. Patrick uh, Sharp. Patrick Sharp, who was acquired by Dale, by Dale Talon. Um, there's a couple more names I can think of we could add into that as well. Um, bottom line he talks about it as though all the all of the success was created in the last decade. No, all the success was enjoyed in the last decade. The work of creating that core happened before he was there, before Stan Bowman was there in any position of serious responsibility or, or hockey judgment responsibility, um, and even before Rocky Wirtz himself was there. Um, so I, I, this whole continuity thing in the 10 years, it he it just comes off as as false arrogance. Um, and the reality of it is, is um, Joel Quenville, although he came on after that group was assembled, he replaced Dennis Savard, who clearly was not the guy to, to bring that um, young collection at that time of talent around and, and to really compete with them. It was the right move at the right time with the right coach. Um, and the rest is history. Um, but I, I think for John McDonough to even sort of hint that he deserves some credit for it is is just completely egomaniacal and in it and inaccurate. Um, maybe to the extent that he stayed out of the way and, and just let those guys do their jobs, then I give him some credit for that if he did. Um, but but that that whole narrative that's baked into that particular clip um, really, really overlooks the fact that that, you know, it's been caretaking for the last 10 years in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the, the work of building that core that won those cups happened before those guys joined the team. Yeah. And we, you brought that up on Twitter a little earlier. <laughs> yeah, I did. You got anything quickly on that one, uh, Mario? Uh, no, no, I, that's, that's right. completely nail on the head. I got, I got four more clips, so we'll get through them. Here we go. Mr. Scotty Powers. There has never been a knee-jerk decision here, Scott. That's not how we operate. We, <laughs> we take our time. We're not pressured into making decisions. We're not afraid of criticism. We realize there's going to be an avalanche of that. But we need to make sure, and we have an obligation to get this as, 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 as right as we possibly can. But it's a lot of conversation, and it's a lot of conversations that Stan and I have had over the last three or four weeks. <laughs> that was the answer to Scott Powers' question. So my 
I my question here is, and 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 I tweeted this out once this press conference was over because I was I was very confused with a lot of different statements coming out. They talk about being a patient group. They talk about not having uh, knee jerk reactions, but then they say, or and also they say, we 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 didn't talk about or didn't consider uh, fire, firing Quenville after last season because of circumstance X, Y, Z. But then they say, well, we did have that discussion last year and we don't have time to be patient because we need results immediately. So what, what do you have? Do you have patience? Are you rebuilding or do you not have patience and you want success now? Did you talk about firing Quenville last year or did you not? Or did you talk about it this week and you had long discussions this week about doing it? Well, that's another, yeah, that's another funny thing that, that I thought of was that, you know, they, they, they give everyone a benefit of the doubt because they didn't have Corey Crawford. So five, six games into Corey Crawford being back. Now, all of a sudden things change. Right. All of a sudden, miraculously, six games into Corey Crawford's return from being out for nine months, uh, it's not it's not enough. So that's it not just, a knee jerk reaction. I it just yeah no you're right you're right it just seems to me like someone missed the memo on on keeping the story straight for this press conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, you know, the other thing I'm going to say about it is, and and the, you know, I've one thing I've one area where I've always had a, an immense amount of respect for McDonough is he's pretty smart about branding and about managing the message. Um, but I think that he really should take a look back in history. Um, young Jeff Osborne, this is arguably before you were born, but <laughs> when, when Michael McCaskey relieved Mike Ditka of his responsibilities as head, head coach, this one is not nearly as big as that one was um, in terms of that a was bad huge. PR move. That was huge. Um, yeah, but, but, but McDonald's got two of these now. Dale Talon in 2009 – um, which was did not go over really well um, at the time. And sure, it was great because the Hawks were also on the verge of winning their first Stanley Cup, thanks in large part to Dale Talon. Um, so it was, it was pretty quickly forgotten in that regard. But I think there's always been, ever since then, there's been a pretty deep-seated suspicion of McDonough as being a control freak, um, as being, you know, as wanting to have his hands too much in, in hockey operations, um, and by association, Stan Bowman for sort of being McDonough's handpicked guy. Um, and now and now this move, you know, Joe Quenville is, is not as as popular or as legendary as Mike Ditka was in Chicago. But Joe Quenville was pretty popular in Chicago and pretty, high, pretty, pretty highly respected and pretty highly thought of. I put him up there on the same level, say, a Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, you know, the, I'm going to just going to say this. The knives are out. <laughs> For, for McDonough now in Chicago in terms of the fan base, there's nobody who's going to argue for keeping that guy around if things go south. Well, um, and the torches and the pitchforks are going to be out if this thing doesn't. Because what he's saying is he's saying this is about right now. This is about winning now. This was the move we needed to make to win right now. Well, then by golly, you've set the bar high. You better get over it, buddy. Because yeah. if you don't, Guess what? Poor Jeremy Colleton if things don't start off the way, you know. And that's unfortunate He's, because yeah. because we all believe 
that he could have a great future as the Hawks head coach. Um, and, and that, that could be unfortunate if, because this thing has the potential to be a real hornet's nest and the way, well, yeah, the way they did it, I mean, they did it bad. They, they treated the Savard thing poorly. They treated the, the talent thing poorly. They've now, tr- you know, treated this Quenville thing poorly. I thought they're supposed to be like this top flight organization. One of the best in all right. of sports. Right. And this, they, they've handled all these, these management situations real poorly. Well, and one more thing I'll add, and I was going to mention it earlier, and I've, I've brought this up on a couple of recasts before. I was told by a very good source that over the summer, McDonough had reached out to the management of the Green Bay Packers to inquire about the executive search firm the Packers had used to hire a GM recently. Um, and you can connect some dots there about that. But this is if that's true, then you get a real insight to how this guy operates and then you, you also could start to connect some dots as to who might be next if things don't go well. It's yeah. not going to be him. It'll be somebody else. Well, speaking of that person, let's listen to this. We're not going to be reactionary and just make a move to make a move. <laughs> that was a short one. That was a huh? clip we talked about. Um, well, it's, I'll go on to the next one. This was John Dietz's second question. John, as tough a decision as it was to let Joel go, did you guys have to weigh whether it was going to be a coach and a GM thing, or was it, you know what I mean? Did you did you have to consider both? Listen to this. No, I did not consider both, John. Uh, <laughs> I believe in this roster. I believe in Stan. Um, <laughs> Stan is meticulous. He's very thorough. And when you break down free agents, when you break down trades, some work, some don't, you'd like most to go your way and over time they may, but his body of work is excellent. Lie. I want him to succeed. I want our roster to succeed. This is the first head coach that Stan Bowman has hired. And I'm excited about that. Stan has been very high on Jeremy for a long time, and I'm anxious to see how this is going to play out. So there's that. Just the way he talks to them, and he scolds them, and he... Ugh. It, yeah, he makes believes skin in this crawl. roster. Huh? He believes in this roster. Yeah, yeah. Well, if he believes yeah, in this so roster... It's but... fault. And the roster's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It, can't it, play defense. Really weak up, up the middle. But, yeah, it's a great roster. Yeah. And the last clip. It would be very difficult if we decided to make a change and Stan said, I want to hire this coach, and we said that's not going to happen. Then all of a sudden, you neuter the general manager. (laughs) (laughs) Which is basically what he's done anyway. Maybe not in the coaching sense of it, but as far as player personnel goes, I think – I have a sneaking suspicion that he's been meddling way too much, causing problems and uh, making Bowman's well, job he, even harder. Go back through his quotes over the years. He himself said it. I want to understand the move before it's made. I want Stan to bring it to me and help me to understand it before it's made, which means I need to approve all the hockey moves. That's what that means. Well, um, and that in and of itself, because there are many teams where the team president is a hockey guy. Um, yeah. And number one and number two, 
where the GM is is given a certain amount of autonomy to run to run the the on ice operations of the team. Um, it's not and it's not that they operate in a vacuum or completely independently of the, those above them, but uh, I, I, it's it's fairly clear and it has been fairly clear that the Hawk front office is full of functionaries and a lot and every and a lot of decisions are made by committee, and that's not how good decisions often get made. No. Yeah, this, the the whole thing was a joke. I I mean, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm just like my head, my head's in in my hands and I'm just shaking my head. It just smells of a bunch of horse shit and uh you know, like Mario said, it's like a boat just sitting in the water just drifting. And no one knows what direction it's going to go in. Just whatever the whichever way the wind's blowing that day is the way this team's going and uh I really I'm already starting to feel for Jeremy Colleton because uh, he he may have been you know they may have pulled the pin on a hand grenade and just get and handed it to him. How long ago did that vi- that web video come out where believe in us, believe that we're gonna fix this, you know? And McDonough's striding confidently down the tunnel with his flunkies at his side and pointing at something off in the distance and. Q's, you know, behind the bench and giving orders and Deneen's there and Samuelson and Stan's, you know, working, working the phones. And it's like, believe in us, we're on it. We're going to fix it. What was that, two weeks ago? Wasn't that right? That was like right before the season, wasn't it? I think, yeah, it was a little further back, but still. I, think it, I don't think it was before the season. I think it's come out since. And maybe I just saw it late. I don't know. It, I, but, actually, honestly, I think it was like the first week of the season. Yeah. It was like right yeah. after it started. Okay. Yeah. And so it wasn't that long ago. It was basically a month ago then that it came out. Yeah. No. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, because when I saw that, my my gut, because I do that, I do those kinds of videos for a living, um, and television commercials and and things of that nature. When I saw that, my my gut was okay. The strategy behind that was we feel our fan base drifting away from us. We're the ticket sales are off. Sponsorships start to, to, you know, to soften in terms of demand for sponsors. Um, we need to reassure them. You know, that's that that's what that video really felt like. If the, the strategy brief that went out to whoever created the video, that's what it said. We got to reassure them that we're on this, that we're working on it, et cetera. And then a month later, you know, one of the, the three legs of the stool, the coaching staff is gone. Yep. It just it, it, it's it speaks to. They are flailing about. This is knee jerk. It's it's they're they're really going to kind of desperate straits now. And again, if you were if you were really trying to right the ship to win now, like he says, why do you bring in a 33 year old AHL coach? However promising his future is where, where you even have to bring in a a 70 year old assistant to kind of legitimize him with the room. Um, it, it just, the whole thing seems, seems like completely slapped together. It just, and it, it, it just smacks of desperation. Uh, yeah, this, this is what the, the press conference sounds like to me. You know, it, it, this could be a, a, a lot more, uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what the press conference sounded like a bunch of to me uh anyway all right 
Well, we've talked about the press conference. Uh, let's get into the questions because we're going to continue to talk about this, yep. but I want to get yep. all these questions and we had a lot of people let's send questions it. and we want to spend a majority of the time to, uh, answering questions in a, kind of a mailbag, mail sack uh, episode. So first uh, question, Philip Price. Hey, man. Man, come on. Does, does a change in head coaches make Chicago a more desirable destination for Panarin? Fingers crossed for a yes. No, it does not. No, it does not. If anything, uh, it would make it not because you'd think Panarin had a lot of success here with Joel Quenville. Joel Quenville liked him. I would have thought that if there was Panarin, any kind of advantage, it would have been his familiarization with Joel Quenville. But anyway. He, he has no clue who Jeremy Colleton is. Nope. No clue. And quite honestly, it, again, it's, it just puts so much more pressure on Colton now because if they're hoping for this turnaround to make Chicago a desirable destination again for free agents next summer, um, Jeremy Colton's going to have to win over not only the guys in the dressing room, he's going to have to win over the dressing rooms of 30 NHL teams with, mm-hmm. with what he does. And he would have to make the playoffs, and he would have to win a round or two. Yeah. Yeah, not making the playoffs or getting swept or just winning one game in the first round. That doesn't make you a desirable destination. That makes you the same thing you've been for the last three friggin' years. So uh, next question, Craig Carlson, would the Hawks have better uh, been better off giving Jeremy Calton a full off season to prep a Hawks team yes. or is yes. it better? Uh, he gets a partial season now to figure out the plans for next season. Did C minus hashtag C minus GM at best Stan Bowman just buy himself another year. First part, yeah, you want you want to give him a full summer to uh, get his bearings. You don't he he was basically preparing for an AHL season. He right. was preparing for his AHL roster. He was preparing for a team in Rockford. He while he was involved this summer, I mean, for I didn't see like Ted Dent coming out to. Uh, prospect camp and this is something i mentioned back in prospect camp that jeremy calton was out there for a lot of the workouts which i didn't see from like ted dent um Mm -hmm. so it you know it struck a chord with me to see him out there with these guys but i but that aside he's only been with the organization for a year the entire organization for a year so it's like uh you need you probably need the summer to be able to figure your 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 lines out, figure out your lineup, uh, get to know the guys, like sit down with them. Like basically he just came right in. It's like morning practice. All right, Jeremy Calton, who you've met five times is now your coach. And here you go. Here's your team. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was preparing this year. His biggest, his biggest problem up until, you know, being, being hired as the Blackhawks coach was, man, how am I going to get Dylan Sakura back to the NHL? And, now it's man, uh, how am I how am I going to get this team into the playoffs to 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 not you know have this grenade that's been thrown to me blowing up in my hands? No, it's man. And, I hope they don't tell me I got to play Dylan Sakura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's you 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 rather have him have a full off season with the mindset of going into his first NHL job going to get to know the, the roster makeup, have maybe even having his hands on the roster makeup a little bit. Um, but yeah, he's been, he's been thrown to the wolves and obviously everyone wants to see him and the team succeed, 
um, he's just kind of been 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 given a, a, a you know well a, a tough situation. If he's going to implement system changes, um, the time to do that is in the off season and a, and a full training camp. Um, the, the time to implement system changes is not in the, the toughest month and a half of your schedule in the NHL, mm-hmm. um, especially with a team that was already floundering, that has personnel problems um, and personnel shortcomings. Um, this, all I'm going to say is, is this guy, to, to turn this around, this guy better be a genius um, or have a tone that is so uplifting and liberating and transformative as to literally turn iron into gold. I mean, because it, it's it, it, you just can't do that in the middle of an NHL schedule, especially when you're hitting the toughest part of the schedule. Well, you know, I, I, I will say this, and, and obviously it's, it's on two very different spectrums between the American Hockey League and the AHL, or in the NHL. Um, and, it, and it was alluded to in, in the press conference, and it is, a, it is a, a, a comment that I believe it was made by McDonough that I will give him credit for is, is a valid point. Colleton did bring a roster of some disgruntled veterans uh, that were not happy being in the AHL last season in Rockford, Cody Franzen, Adam Clendenning, Chris Domenico, Lance uh, Boma, um, or as, or as he's known by John McDonough, Lance Boma. Um, <laughs> he brought those guys kind of together with a very young, uh, Ice Hogs roster that was um, already there once the season started, but he brought those guys in and had them buy into having success. Now, whether that's them buying into Colton or them saying, I'm playing for a contract elsewhere, you can debate that. But he was able to get those guys on board with his system and, and had arguably the, the most successful season that the Ice Hogs have had uh, at the AHL level. Um so there is some sort of belief that he can get players to buy in. But obviously, Adam Clendenning, Cody Franz, and Lance Boma are not Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, and Duncan Keith. Right. Right. And, and, and you know, while the, the team was, you know, the team did all right last year, uh, the, and by team, I mean uh, the, the Ice Hogs, they were mm-hmm. – they weren't great during the regular season. They had a much better season than the previous season. But when these veterans get pulled in, who are probably in NHL players, you get a right. handful of NHL players that get sent down to the AHL. That's going to instantly make your team a little bit better. So that's not that right. I don't want to take anything away from Jeremy Colleton because he definitely changed the culture of the way, and the culture was horrible in Rockford. He definitely mm-hmm. changed that, made them respectable. But they were kind of like a middling to, you know, upper tier little bit team. And, you know, you get Lance Bowman, you get uh, uh, Adam Clendenning, you get, you know, these these veterans who are basically NHL guys all thrown onto your roster. That's going to help a little, too. So, yeah, but I mean, Mario, you you raise a really good point. Um, And I think I think being open minded and hopeful and trying to be optimistic about this. There is a reason that that they zeroed in on on Colleton. There there are likely some very good reasons. Um, I mean, we've said it here on the show numerous times that we felt like he he likely is the Hawks' coach of the future at some point in the future. 
Um, the, just the, again, I mean, but, but it's a, it's a big hill to climb, um, in light of the, the trajectory of this year's team, where they're at in the schedule and what's very obvious, what they're obvious, because they're not getting an infusion from anywhere, at least not anytime soon. And when, when Bowman talks about, because apparently he talked about at the press conference, you know, being active and going out and acquiring players ostensibly at the deadline. I don't know if he used those words. I mean, I just have to laugh because what are you going to give up to get it to get help at the deadline that you can afford to give up now? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, Artem Anisimov is nobody's going to give you anything for him at the deadline. Literally, I mean, they tried moving him at last year's deadline. The best they, the, the the story is the best offer they got was a third round pick. Yeah, that's probably all you're going to get for Anisimov. Nobody's taking Seabrook. So who are you going to give up? That's part of your push for the playoffs this year to acquire those players that are going to help you get there. I mean, are you going to give up Bulkfist? Are you going to are you going to package up the the ostensible you know the purported future of the franchise Dylan secure for that. I mean, what are you going to give up? You're going to give up to brink at, I mean, you're not, it just, it just seems like they're dealing in falsehoods or just, I mean, like they're like Hitler in the bunker in 1945, moving around armies that aren't there. I mean, literally figure it out. Fucking figure it out. Yeah, and, and to answer the second part of that question about did did Stan Bowman just buy himself another year, the answer is yes, because they're going to probably let it, you know, it, at least this year, and he's probably, I mean, unless the wheels really fall off the team and they, like, seriously are in the, um, you know, are in it for the first overall pick, they're fighting, you know, the bottom, uh, I think they're going to let Bowman slide this summer and, and start the season I, I'm going to disagree. If they don't, if they don't show some meaningful improvement, um, and especially if the if the bottom line is still bad, meaning sponsors hit, heading for the door, um, uh, season ticket demand and ticket demand overall, resale ticket demand falling off, um, Bowman's next. Bowman, because that's how John McDonough operates. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna let Bowman go after just letting his head coach only coach for three quarters of a season. It, they mentioned in the in the this press conference that this is the first you know he made a point by saying this is the first head coach that Stan Bowman has hired, and then you're gonna give know. him three quarters of a season. I don't know because you know what we can't predict is we cannot predict what the what the fallout is gonna be from fans from the media. From yeah, social, from, from the from the blogosphere, from Twitter, as this season goes on, um, it's going to be really interesting at the trade deadline. Is, is well, he, well, are they going to be buyers now? <laughs> What's that? Are they going to be buyers now, or God. are they going to be sellers, or are they going to stand pat? And in 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 each of those moves, there's there's a potential for success, and there's a potential for perceived failure and incredible disappointment. Because they've set this up now that they made this move in order to turn this thing around and win now. He wants to re-win. He's a re-winner. <laughs> John McDonough's a re-winner. A re-winner. That's a that's a new hashtag, man. The re-winner. re-winner. The re-winners. <laughs> Jesus yeah, is stupid. Uh, John, John, I'd have to agree with you. I, I really only feel like Bowman maybe extended his his leash a few months. Because if, if if this team doesn't make 
leaps and bounds improvements uh, and or make the playoffs, um, I, I cannot foresee Bowman sticking around and, and, and seeing it out because with this move with firing Quenville, you've already seen, you know, people, people online, um, you know, who, who were not already in the, uh, fire Bowman fire McDonough club, um, kind of turn. I mean, yep. this, 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 yep. this front off, this front office really went full heel turn with firing Quenville. And, and, and that kind of, uh, at least in, in my perception, uh, was, was a straw, a last straw for a lot of people in the, in their opinion of, of the, the front office of the Blackhawks. So I think if, if, if they have a bad rest of this year, if they, if, if it ends up like last year did, I, I can't foresee public, uh, public opinion uh, being negative, ticket sales being a negative and, and, and sponsorships being a negative and McDonough standing for that. And if, if they sell or stand pat at the deadline, it's, I think that's it. I, I think McDonough's trying to change the arc of the team, the trajectory and the tone. And, and he's trying to generate excitement and hope again within the fan base. And if Colleton, uh, through some trickery and, and smoke and mirrors, and maybe Bowman can get him some help somehow, some way, which is not very likely, um, you know, if he can if he can do that, if he can make people go, you know what, I am excited about this team for next year. They didn't make the playoffs, but they finished really strong. They were playing really well. Um, Duncan Keith looks like he's he's you know regressed. He's you know gone three years younger, and and Taves looks great, and Kane. They're all bought in. That's that's probably the best that that we can hope for, and they can hope for. And then and then I think Bowman keeps his job. But if it if it doesn't get there. If it's if it's just really a, a, a difficult adjustment, if the Hawks continue on the, the trajectory they're on, which is not good, and they're about about to go into a really tough part of the schedule, um, I just I don't I don't I think that the the, the calls for Bowman's head and McDonough's head are going to get so loud that McDonough will react by making Bowman the fall guy next. But we'll see. I, I liked how you said full heel turn, uh, Mario. <laughs> I'll be completely honest with you. I don't give a damn about none of you. <laughs> I like that. Well, I mean, that's how that's how it felt. It really felt like you know, it, it was you you had to know it was going to be a very unpopular move, getting rid of Quinville. Yeah, and and it was. Yeah. All and right. It is. <laughs> All right. Our next question: uh, Shy Sox history, the official lawyer of uh, <laughs> of the rink. Mr. Hutt, do you know you're not wearing any pants? I move for a bad court thingy. You mean a mistrial? Yeah, that's why you're the judge and I'm the law-talking guy. The lawyer. Right. How <laughs> how much are the three cups a function of Dale Town rather than Q? Was he just handed the keys to a Ferrari? Uh, I think we kind of really talked about that. Uh, it was helped build by Mike Smith, Dale Talon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Q came in and kind of just... Uh, Drove it straight and uh, true. Well, it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it was it's like if you use racing as an analogy, it's kind of like, you know, they had this this formula, this 
beautiful Formula One car that they had built and rolled out. And then they have this like Kentucky moonshiner driving it and Dennis Savard. And then they, they go get Emerson Fittipaldi, you know, to, to drive it. And it, with, with expectable results, I mean, they won three Stanley cups with Q and, and, you know, he, he brought this team along. He made some of these young guys, the great players that they've become, he helped make them. And, and um, so it isn't Talon or Q it's really Talon Smith, Quenville, Rick Dudley, Marshall Johnston, um, you know, and, and and perhaps in the latter cups, there's some credit that goes to, you know, some of the latter day scouts and, and even Bowman. I mean, but they weren't the same type of acquisitional moves as, as they were prior to 2007 or 2008. They just weren't the same the same magnitude of moves and there weren't as many of them. Yeah. Chuck Bessler writes in, uh, if the Hawks are going to rebuild, do you think it will be easier to get the vets to waive no move clauses now the queue is gone? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if so, do you think that's part of the reason Q was let go? I don't think that's the reason, but it may be an unintended consequence. Yeah, I wouldn't think that they made the move thinking, okay, we'll get rid of their guy and then they'll want to leave. That sounds odd to me, but I think – Yes, it does make it easier for, for players that the only head coach that they knew, uh, for the most part, is now gone. Um, but it's, it, it kind of comes down to who uh, of those players are you willing to get rid of to also still be able to sell tickets in the mindset of, of McDonough, you know, are right. you? Are you just are you just going to sell Patrick Kane for for a boatload just because you're going to rebuild? Well, you know, talk about going full heel. And same thing goes with Crawford and Taze. Uh, maybe not the same for Seabrook, but no one no one's busting down the door to get Brent Seabrook. So it's, it's no, it's, 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 go it's ahead. weird. It's it's a weird spot to be in. That's for sure. Not I, too I, good, I, man. There's, there's also a a, a possible a plausible scenario here that when they talk about winning right now they're just they're just saying that to sell tickets and the column move truly is a rebuilding move and they know that the vets are probably not going to be pleased with this no matter what it's quite possible when they talked about letting go of Q that they talked about how that was going to affect number two number seven number 19 number 88 um, number 50 um, and you heard it in the quotes that those specific players gave that that they they credit Joel Quenville for making them the players they are that he was a play, a great players coach, so it's quite possible that they are anticipating that you know we've got our rebuilding coach now in place and you know we we may make some moves at the deadline that will really accelerate it by packaging up you know maybe a couple of guys for significant return in terms of high draft picks or quality young prospects that, um, you know, are the equal perhaps of, of Adam Bokvist that you could really build then a return to greatness around that's, that's possible. Well, you bring up players, coaches, our boy, Aaron Goldschmidt from smoky Denver, Colorado says the Hawks just lost a players coach is Calatin similar. And how does the culture change? I don't know, Mario. Is, is, this, is this my question? I think yeah, it is. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like Colleton is a player's coach, um, mainly for the fact that he's, what, three, four years removed from actually playing himself. 
Um, you know, he was he's younger than four players that's on the current roster. I mean, he's he's a guy that that uh, was in in the locker room at in their position, you know, a handful of years ago. Obviously, not playing at the same levels on a consistent basis, but um, but he was in there. I, I think he. He knows how to communicate with players. I think he knows uh, uh, how to bring along young talent. I think you know that was that was showcased um, with Rockford last season. I and I think that that's probably going to be uh, probably going to be his his focus um, as he starts out is is to build a rapport, obviously with with the veterans and and the star players in the locker room, but also. Um, bring along some of the younger players because that benefits him. I mean, you know, guys like like Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taze, at least the way that Taze has started the season. Um, they're they're going to get their games going and they're going to be, uh, you know, relatively reliable of, of playing at a high level. It's it's the secondary players. It's it's the Henry Yokoharu. It's you know uh, Nick Schmall. It's Alex Dabrinka. It's weird to think of them as secondary, but you know, in the scheme of the team, these are the young guys that need to, that need to come around and start, start turning some corners. Um, David Camp, Alex Fortin, just guys that are on the roster right now that um, have a little bit of rapport with, with Colleton and um, getting, getting those, those depth and secondary young players to, to come around and, and try and, um, you know, give, give the, the, the top end guys a little bit of, a little bit of support. I feel like that's probably going to be the key to this team having any kind of success. If it is, if it is going to come is, is getting those young secondary players going. Um, I feel like Colleton's style is uh, uh, a little bit more laid back. Um, I don't, I really don't feel like he's a guy that's going <clears> to <throat> get up and, 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 and bark at players um, in any kind of negative uh, sense of, of of that kind of situation um but he knows how to pick his spots in you know when he when he needs to get on a guy or when he needs to um you know build build someone up i think he does have a good way of of gauging that um and again it all ties back to you know he was most recently uh uh playing you know he was he was a player uh, within the last couple of years, I think that that's that's the biggest key to him being a quote unquote player's coach. Um, now it's just whether or not the the veterans are going to buy into that. I think his being a player in the last couple of years, um, I think certainly gives him a certain amount of an NHL player in the last couple of years, um, at where it was at one point, um, gives him a certain amount of gravitas with AHL players. I'm not sure. I don't really recall where this experiment of bringing in a head coach who is um, the same age or younger than ostensibly your your key star players um, has had has had success. I, I can't really remember it. Um, there may be some hockey historians out there who who can go back maybe into the 60s or 70s and provide me with some examples. But um, I, I think more often than not this doesn't work. And I, I, I believe also that's why Barry Smith was inserted into this. And I'll, I'll add this too about Smith back. I believe it was around 2011, I think to maybe 2012, 2011, Scotty Bowman was trying to get Smith onto the staff 
Um, and Joel Quenville resisted furiously, did not want him. Um, felt he would be a disruption, felt that, you know, it would just, it would, it would hurt the chemistry of the, of the coaching staff and it was shelved. Um, so, you know, Scotty Bowman is and always has been a big believer in, in Barry Smith, but at the same time, it just, it's, it just strikes me. I mean, Colton's not getting to hire his assistants, is he? No, you know, he's not. <laughs> they're, they're designating who's going to be his sort of second hand or, you know, I, I hate to use the term, but babysitter. I mean, I just, it, it, the, the odds are not good for the, for all this to come together in, in a great way. And, you know, I mean, honestly, again, it's, it's almost unfair. And, and, and I just hope that Colleton survives whatever turmoil may, may come in the next several months or even year or two with the front office, et cetera, or Smith or whomever, um, and and the team keeps him around because there is there is an indication that he's really good with younger players. Um, there are indications that he knows how to construct a very creative, fluid power play that can that can be um, effective. Um, but it's the other circumstances that would seem to be really really ch- challenging for him coming in right now. Um, players coach or not players coach. It's just it's it's kind of it's kind of daunting the fact that he's only 33 and there's you know the the most accomplished players in the team are either his age or older. I found it very interesting and I didn't realize this ahead of time that Brent Seabrook and Jeremy Colleton played on the same World Junior team. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think Jeff Glass played on that team too. Probably, yeah, I think so. Boy, one of them, yeah, one of them. So uh, that was interesting to to see that. So you know. Uh, at least while Brent Seabrook is, uh, you know, older than uh, or the same age as uh, Colleton, uh, at least they're familiar with each other. So sure. hopefully it's a good familiar, at least hopefully for Blackhawks fans. The next one, our favorite, uh, Artemi Panarin lover and Stan Bowman hater, Mr. Johnny Utah. This is a long one, so hang in there with me. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> now the queue is gone and Bowman uh, and the Bowmans are still here. I don't have a lot of faith in the management, especially since Bowman has single-handedly made this team worse with some of the worst trades uh, and contract extensions we've ever seen. Bowman should have been fired before Q, and Q should have uh, never been fired. There's not a lot of other coaches that could have done much better with the roster that Bowman had given to Q. We all know Q didn't want to trade Panarin, my biggest complaint with moving an elite player like Panarin is hearing management talk about finding another player to replace his production, which drives me crazy. You already had the production, so why would you move that player knowing how hard it is to replace Panarin's production? Even if the Blackhawks could re-sign him, they could have gotten a bigger piece or return than they did uh, with Saad. Um, and then the second part was... Bowman was trying to one-up his awful Panarin trade by firing Q, which will go down as one of the two worst decisions Bowman, uh, the Bowmans have made. Bowman has to go, and I think a lot of us are left wondering why Rocky and the ownership sided with Bowman over Q. This team is either one or two, pl- or this team isn't one or two players away at this point. Where does this organization go from here? That's a million-dollar question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I understood the the, the Saad-Panarin thing at the time. At the time, it made sense. 
Um, and, and that was what it was going to take to get sod back. And you were going to get him for the extra, you know, we've, we've gone over. I mean, they got, they got a Nisimov who was a second line center at the time that, that they were looking for and they didn't have, uh, Forsberg was maybe the, maybe the, uh, starting goalie of the future. Uh, you know, that has since changed. Sod didn't play, uh, all that well, he struggled. Uh, so it looks a lot worse than it, than, you know, on paper it should have. Well, I'll be to be fair. A couple of years from now, when Panarin's wearing a New York Rangers sweater, um, and Columbus perhaps has gotten nothing back for him, that deal and and Sod's in Chicago and playing well. I mean, that deal may end up looking a lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, in totality, a lot of the trades that Stan Bowman has made since the summer of 2010, always driven by by salary cap restrictions. If you go through all of those trades over the years, Dustin Bufflin, Andrew Ladd, Christopher Stieg, um, you know, uh, Brian Campbell. I mean, just player after player after player. Nicholas Jalmerson. The return is never substantial enough to justify, you know, to, to equal the, the, the quality of the asset you had to let go of. And, it's, and, and in fairness, it's because the other team always knows that you're, you're over a barrel in terms of the salary cap. I mean, the Hosa deal, same thing. They, you know, Arizona knew the Hawks were trying to get out from under the con- contract, and that's how they got Henestrosa and, and uh, you know, Bob's your uncle. Well, Nick Letty. Uh, right. Patrick Sharp. Uh, yeah. You know. Trevor uh, Daly. Yeah. Yeah, Trevor Daly. <laughs> Trevor Daly, then, coinc- then, then, you know, right after that, you've got the, uh, the, the suck dairy era. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, it's these trades, meh, you know, they just haven't been good. Is there, a, I'm, I'm honestly having a hard time thinking uh, of one, but is there a trade where that within the Bowman era that really, uh, you know, far and beyond, you can say, man, Chicago really won that one. Uh, I've got Jeremy a list of Moore all of his trades. <laughs> I have a li- list of yeah. all of his trades but right even, in front of me. But even that is like, what, what you got 40 points out of panic and then right. and that was and then it. you dealt him for the regrettable Anthony Duclair. I mean, well, I, it, I, I, I honestly can't think of one. At the time, the Nick Letty trade to come to Chicago for Cam Barker. Yes. That was a good deal. Yeah. That was a pretty That's decent true. deal. That, that was uh, a good deal. Uh, let me go down here. Uh, I'm just kind of looking down here. Uh, da, 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 no. We got one. Yeah, we got one. Uh, that's not good, not good, not good, not good. I, I don't see anything good here. Uh, yeah. Ish. hey, hey. Well, I mean, uh, Troy Brower to the Caps for a late number one when the Hawks were probably not going to be able to afford Brower. That number one turned into Philip Deneau, who turned into yeah. a couple <laughs> second round picks from the Canadiens. So... Um, that's a, that was a decent trade value for value. I would argue a late first for Troy Brower at that time. Um, here's a decent trade. Um, traded two draft picks, a second and a third for Johnny Oduya the first time. Yes. And, and those uh, draft picks, Gilly, yeah, those Jeff draft picks turned... for, for, um, for Michael Froelich was a good deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're good deals. They're not great deals. Right, right, right. right. That's, they're that's not. Right. They're not yeah, Matt Allison for Patrick Sharp. 
Yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to say is this, or that's what I'm trying to think of is like is there any any I can't think of any major deal that you know was a was a big shakeup that ended up being wins for for Chicago. I mean they they they've gotten good players and and good role players out of some deals, but um I I, can't, I like I said I couldn't can't think of one that Bowman has pulled the trigger on that you know Chicago won by leaps and bounds. Um, Letty, Letty was good, that's for sure. But um, they eventually was, had to dump him because uh, yeah. because of their mismanagement of yeah. the cap and stuff. Um, you know, it, it, even the ones who you know could have probably worked out a lot better, like Klaus Dalbeck for uh, Antoine Vermette. Like I'd make that deal again. Yeah, any any time. That was that was actually a really. I mean, he gave up a first-round pick and I believe a third and Dahlbeck for Vermette. That, but that trade at that time, great move, had a lot to do with them winning that cup. And and you, you have to give Bowman credit for that. He stepped up and he did it, and it was the right move. And you know, nobody misses Dahlbeck. Oh God! And and then and then this one, God, some of these are bringing back such nightmares, where they had to get rid of uh, Ryan Garbutt for Yuri Sakach. <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean these are pain some of these are just so painful to look garbage at in, garbage out it's some like oh my god what did they give up to get uh andrew ladd back the second time around uh marco dano a first round pick and i believe another later pick uh, yeah it's here somewhere uh that one didn't work out well here it is andrew no. ladd and matt frazier and Jay Harrison from Winnipeg for Marco Dano, a first round pick and a conditional third round pick. Yep. yep. And yep. Winnipeg retained thirty six percent of the salary of a lad's salary. Uh, yeah. Um, so that one did not work out. No. See now here's one here's one that could work out for him, but it, it you know it's it's already looks pretty good, uh, but it could look even better. Uh, acquired two second round picks. Uh, for the uh, rights to Andrew Shaw, those two picks, Alex DeBrinket and Chad Chris. That's a half win, yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, oh God, Thomas Yurko. Uh, <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean these are bad. Holy crap! I just go down and the then, line, and then he gets Yurko, and then he somebody leaks out to Pete to uh, uh, what's his name, Pierre LeBron. That they were after Yurko for six weeks. I mean, somebody from the Hawks told LeBron that, unless LeBron made it up. Thomas Yurko, you were after him for six weeks. You should give your salary back for those six weeks. For that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad. Uh, so anyway, let's get on to the next question. Um Band uh, Clay, I think it's Clay Bandow. Um, what is it going to take for the NHL GMs to to learn to stop giving out legacy contracts with such a tight cap? Every cent is needed to be uh, is needs to be spent wisely. Paying for past performance really hurts a franchise. Are we going to have to wait till the next CBA? I mean, the problem is is they get bailed out by being able to you know circumvent one way or another, like they did with Hosa. Uh, or, you know, with the next CBA, there will probably be some kind of amnesty buyout, which may get the Blackhawks out of the uh, Brent Seabrook contract. So 
it's while it hurts for a while and it's a little bit painful, they end up skirting out of it at the end. You know, one team really had, you know, or, or a couple teams really have to get hit with that cap recapture for it really to, uh, you know, make an effect, I think, on, on the culture of GMs in the league. Until someone really gets hit with that cap recapture or something, I don't think it's, I don't think they're learning their lessons. Well, I feel like that's just the nature of, of professional contracts. It's not, not just hockey contracts where you rarely see players getting paid for what they could do. I mean, obviously you get, you get guys like Connor McDavid getting, you know, massive contracts, but are you going to argue that he's not worth that, that he's not going to project out to be worth that contract? Um, you know, Look at Winnipeg gave uh, Blake Wheeler like a six or seven or even eight year extension. He's what thirty three. You can't say that in in three four years that they might be thinking well, you know that big money at that at those terms. Uh, you know, unless unless he's going to be Marion Hosa where he's you know highly productive when he's thirty eight thirty nine years old, um, that that contract's not going to come back and hurt. So I mean. It's 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 really just kind of the nature of pro sports where it's re, it most most often contracts are reactionary. So I so I, I think it's it's not just an NHL thing. I think it's a I think it's a sports thing. Yeah. Whether it's right or right or wrong, I mean, yeah, you never want to overpay for something that somebody already did, but um, that's just kind of how it goes. And, and yeah, I, I really do feel like it's it's going to take something in the next. Uh, next negotiation period uh, for the CBA to change that if it ever does. Yeah. Uh, whoa. We have a, a celebrity uh, Facebooker, Mr. Jim Chaplin <laughs> <laughs> sent in a question from the law firm of Chaplin and Perella. <laughs> you don't get paid until we get paid. There's going to be Neanderthals, slack jawed yokels saying stupid things. <laughs> would uh, little Stanley Bowman have a job in the NHL if his daddy wasn't Scotty Bowman? Uh, I already know the answer, but it's worth discussing. And then Paul Irwin jumped on that and said, what is the backstory related to Barry Smith and the controversy with that? Uh, what do you think, John? You got any? Well, uh, I mean, if you remember the the great uh, Detroit Red Wing teams of the 1990s. I mean, Scotty Bowman was on the bench and there was this guy standing next to him with gray hair and kind of bugged out eyes. Always, always looked like he was on meth or something. That was Barry Smith. And, and uh, um, in fairness, Barry Smith has always been known as, as an exceptional teacher. Um, and, um, you know, he's, he clearly has always had the confidence of Scotty Bowman. I alluded to it earlier in the, in the show here that there, I was told that Scotty Bowman was trying very hard to get him on Quenville's staff about five, six years ago, and Joel Quenville resisted that strongly. Um, so Barry Smith was that, then installed as the director of player development for the Blackhawks, and uh, we could debate you know, how successful he's been in that or not, but uh, um, bottom line, um, he is you know very highly regarded by Scotty Bowman. Jay Zawoski reported on... Um, on Twitter today that he had spoke with somebody with the team who said that Scotty Bowman had played a huge role in these moves, including Barry Smith. Um, that's, I mean, the Barry Smith being involved, obviously said to me, 
Scotty Bowman had his, his hands all over this. And quite honestly, Scotty Bowman had his hands all over Dennis Savard being fired and Quenville being hired. Um, so it's not, that's not surprising at all. <clears throat> yeah. I know, uh, our, uh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, Chris block, uh, has a long standing story about, you know, Barry Smith and how, uh, he was also, uh, you know, going to be the, the Quenville Barry Smith thing and how Barry Smith was kind of brought in and, and it was looked at as, uh, undermining Quenville and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it was really, it, it was a good read. You'd probably have to search for it cause it was years back, but Chris, Chris is pretty tuned in and Chris, Chris yep. Black's a really good dude. So yeah, uh, if you want to, if, if you want to look up that, you, uh, you can, so, uh, Derek Ciavellas, what will improve the most, the defense or the power play? I'm going to say if anything, the power play, because of the fact that that's not necessarily a personnel thing. Uh-huh. It's probably more of a system thing. I mean, they have good players that should be able to score on the power play. Defense, that's another story. They don't have good defensemen. They would have to acquire good defensemen for the defense to really change. Yeah. So that's my opinion on that. Yep, a power play has a much higher likelihood of improving. Unless Colleton himself or Barry Smith, even less likely, can actually play defense in the NHL, <laughs> um, power play is a better bet because it's the personnel is the problem on defense, regardless of what John McDonough and Stan Bowman said yesterday. Yeah, and John, why do you hate Gus so much? <laughs> uh, Man, you know come what? on. I, I don't, I'm sure Gus is a nice, nice kid. Um, you know, I, he's definitely got skill coming up the ice with the puck playing uh, offensive skill. He definitely has. He's just, he's terrible on his own end. And yet there are clowns, jabronis, clowns to the left of me, jabronis to the right on Twitter, um, talking about, uh, you know, him as a, as a legitimate number three or number four defenseman, which is just asinine. He's not over the line. You can't defend. This aggression will not stand, man. No, man. Uh, not too good, man. <laughs> and our final question from Joe Hinker, and and we've kind of actually talked about this. Uh, Hinker. We'll, we'll wrap up on this. Uh, is Colleton doomed from the start? Will he get a chance to do what he would like as a head coach or simply become Bowman McDonough, and I'm going to add in Barry Smith, puppet, uh, and give ice time based on bad contracts versus merit getting really tired of Kunitz and Manning. Well, let me jump on that one a little yeah. bit. Um, I think that there are several forwards that you could, in- Kunitz, listen, in terms of just making the smart play, um, Kunitz is okay. He, he, you know, in terms of being responsible, covering his man defensively, et cetera, he, the issue is, is just why you signed him in the first place. What, what the the plan was there. And the fact that he's contributed nothing offensively because he, he probably doesn't have that anymore. He's just, he's 38 years old. Um, but the thing is, there's a lot of forwards. I think that you could plug in there that, that are not going to hurt you per se and might actually help you more. Um, John Hayden, Alex Fortin, even Dylan secure, bring him up and get, get him in there and, you know, have, Kunitz up in the now Jeremy Carlton shrimp cocktail suite, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. However, the issue on defense is different with Manning. If you don't play Manning, you're, you're, it's, it's sort of like death or taxes. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't, you don't play Manning, it's Davidson, which could uh, arguably be worse. 
And then then you're, you're going down into the minors where, you know, maybe a Carl Dahlstrom as a stay-at-home defender or a guy I really like, Hillman, you know, as a stay-at-home defender could ostensibly be better, um, you know, in that role as a, as a depth defenseman whose, whose role is basically to stay at home and defend, maybe. But there's such a big jump for defensemen from the AHL to the NHL. Um, I just don't think that they – the problem if, if you don't play Manning is who do you play? You know, maybe Connor Murphy coming back, if he comes back healthy, and Gustav no guarantee on that. Um, maybe he maybe he starts to begin to solve that problem for us. I don't know. Uh, Mario, how, how has Forsling looked in his rehab uh, in Rockford? Uh, he looked good up until he uh, hurt himself. He mm-hmm. got a, he got an injury recently, uh, and he's missed the last two games. Um, but when I did speak with Colleton uh, on Saturday, he said he didn't believe it was going to be long term. Um, he didn't play this. He didn't play uh, today. Uh, Rockford played a, a school day game against Iowa, which they lost to their first uh, game under Derek King this morning. But um, yeah, Forsman's been out the last two games, okay. so um, be interesting to see if he does play uh, Friday or Saturday. Um, otherwise, maybe there is some some uh, some worry about his injury. But I mean, he, in in the short time he was there, he was looking he was looking um, uh, pretty much as 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 you'd expect uh, coming back. And um, I, I really feel like if he was healthy, um, he, he'd be in that mix to, to maybe get some, some ice time up, up with Chicago. Uh, but, but he's not yeah. healthy at the moment. Yeah. And I just want to, since you brought this guy's name up, I just want to read this tweet. I saved it. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was tweeted on uh, the 29th of August from Sean Tierney. Um, and it was Brandon Davidson made a smart call heading to Chicago on a PTO. There's a reason he's our, our, there's reason to think he is already one of the best defensemen they'll have in camp. Way to go. Chokely Carmichael. <laughs> I love no the- small amount of sarcasm there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, all right. Well, that, that kind of wraps it up. Um, I mean, the bottom line here is we want the Blackhawks to do well. I hope Jeremy Colton does well. I hope that the Blackhawks, you know, start doing better. Um, based on, you know, the the meddling in the back office, I don't see a lot of promise as far as, you know, them being able to bring in players or, or whether they should even bring players in at all. Um, this bodes well for, you know, some of my favorite players, like, you know, uh, Colin Delia, who is, you know, uh, who Jeremy Calton is a big fan of. So, but, um, you know, that's just, uh, 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 you know, my, uh, my player uh, preference on that. So that doesn't necessarily help the Blackhawks any at this point in time. But so, I mean, that's, that's, I guess we're going to see, we'll see tomorrow. Tomorrow, the, the Jeremy Calton era starts for the Blackhawks. Yeah. And uh, just to echo that, I mean, I, Again, I, I, I'm, I have been intrigued by Jerry, Jeremy Colton's potential as as an NHL head coach. I just kind of wish that this this move had either been done last summer or this next summer. They had a press conference with Joel Quinville, announced his quote unquote retirement or reassignment, whatever, and then gave you know Colton the benefit of if if they really wanted to go to Colton, the benefit of now. The benefit of of you know having a full summer and training camp to to you know implement his system, develop relationships with the players, 
Um, the throwing him into the fire under these circumstances, the Barry Smith wrinkle to this whole thing, um, the toughest part of the schedule coming up. It's just it's hard to be. And, the, and then that laughably macabre press conference yesterday. I mean, it's it's just hard to to not view this with a certain amount of cynicism and doubt. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, Mario, you got any last uh, thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I mean, to, to reiterate, we all want to see the, the Blackhawks succeed. We all want the team to, to, to do well and compete for Stanley Cups. They're not going to this year, but we want them to. Um, the, the focus has got to be um, what's going to be the best moves to make the team better next year and the year after, and the year after. Um, I, I do have faith that Jeremy Carlton can be a successful coach uh, at the NHL level, um, but obviously this is, this is his second year coaching in North America. Not just, right. you know, not, not, not just, uh, uh, um, you know, at, at the NHL level, it's in North America. So yeah. there, there's going to have to be, a bit of a learning curve and he is going to be uh, needed. He's going to need to have the, the front office behind him and help him uh, have success. They, they, they yep. cannot give, give them, give Colleton a, a, a coin bill treatment in that here's this roster of what ifs and maybes and probably nots and give us a, a championship season that you can't, you can't do that and expect to have success. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited for the future, uh, in a sense. Um, and yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow's the, uh, the, the first step in a, in a new journey for, uh, for, for the Blackhawks and their fans. And hopefully it goes well and we'll be here for it. Yeah. And, and this is something I, and this is going to be, I'm going to go very dude here. You're being very on dude. Don't take your anger out on Jeremy Colleton. No. If you're angry that Bowman wasn't fired, if you're take it out on, you know, focus your anger on Bowman, focus your anger on, McD- on McDonough. It's not Jeremy Colleton's fault that, that uh, Joe Quenville was fired. Um, and let's maybe try and give him a chance. Um, cause that's all I, I can do it, on that note. I, I have a, a plug and a shout out. Um, sure. Uh, I, there are many who I rub elbows with, um, in various chat rooms, et cetera, who have some issues with Dan Carcillo and some of the, some of the points of view. He, I'm one of he espouses yeah. on, on brain injury, et cetera. But he posted a thread on Twitter today that I thought took a lot of courage and uh, showed a lot of integrity after he had, I felt somewhat accurately, you know, criticized um, the the leaders of the Hawk front office in terms of the, this move with Quenville the day before. He came back and told a story about how Stan Bowman had really, in, in his words, saved his life from um, an ongoing battle he was having with addiction. And uh, it was really quite moving to read it. And uh, I thought it took a, a lot of courage of, of Carcella to tell that story and, and tell, tell it in a public manner like that. Um, and I just want to commend him for that, for doing that, because we, we do also forget that these guys are human beings. Um, and I, it, you know, in my mind, the real villain in all this is John McDonough and may, and not even so much Stan, Stan Bowman. I think 
Stan Bowman, whether if you think he's a bad GM, it may just be though that he's a symptom of a larger problem and that's a bad team president. And I'll leave, I'll leave it at that for the night. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to drag that, that moment down because on a human level, it's a great story. It really is. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, it makes you feel for both sides because Stan, you know, Stan Bowman, it showed his heart, uh, you know, and everything. But at the core of that, he talks about how basically he ended up with a contract he didn't deserve (laughs) because Stan Bowman signed him to a contract he probably didn't deserve. That aside, of course, it's a great story and good on Stan Bowman for standing behind and helping, you know, Carcello. Good on Carcello for for walking into that office and being like, I have a problem. I need help. And uh, he actually, uh, if you look, and and I don't know if you've seen this, but if you look at Instagram, Carcello uh, shared one of his favorite Joel Quenville stories. And his favorite Joel Quenville story uh, is a very emotional one as well. So I I suggest you all go there and read it. It has to do with uh, Steve Monador. Yeah. And how um, Joel Quenville treated... Dan Carcillo yeah. when Dan Carcillo basically broke down because yeah. his really good friend had just passed away. So yeah. good on Carcillo for sharing these stories because they're good stories and yeah. they, they show people in, in, in a human, a good human light. Um, yeah. You know, jobs aside, you know, not everyone's great at their jobs, but on a human level, it shows that these guys are good people and stuff. So, yeah. Um, so that's it for me. Um, any other plugs for you guys? Uh, one more thing. Yeah. Uh, announced shortly uh, before we went uh, into the recording studios. Tomorrow is the unveiling of the Winter Classic jerseys. Oh, good good point. So that will be uh, interesting to see. Obviously, uh, leaks have, have all come out. Um, it's going to be all black and white um, I'm a big I, fan. I, I, w- I would put very, very good money on that. And uh, um, if if it, if it's if it is uh, exactly or very close to the concept uh, art and design yep. that um, that we have seen, yep. uh, I'm I'm going to buy one. So and it yep. would probably be the, the Bruins. The Bruins Winter Classic yeah. jersey was pretty pimp too. I thought it was pretty cool. I would I would actually put this a close second behind the first Winter Classic jersey. Um, because that one was just, I don't know that that'll ever be touched. You know, the one, the Blackhawks one mm-hmm. uh, against the, the, uh, the the black and tan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. one of the best uh, alternates that was out there, but um, and the Red Wings one sucked. Yeah. I, that D I didn't like that D, but anyway, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> so anyway, but I like it a lot. So um, yeah, check it out tomorrow. I think there's some kind of like special thing going on. It was at three o'clock. I saw in the atrium, at the uh, at the United Center, they're going to have some kind I of thing going on. Yeah, so I think it's going to be. I think I saw it, it's going to be a, a kind of a public thing. People can come in at starting at three, and they're going to unveil it at five, okay. something like that. And then um, the Jeremy Calton yeah. starts. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, cool. I get done with work at two o'clock, and I start work at four o'clock. So I'm I'm going home and going to sleep. <laughs> and then uh and then watching the game so i'll uh, i'll see the unveiling on twitter but uh yeah, me yeah too. I'm, I'm excited to see what they look like yeah me too that's a good that's a good point thanks for pointing that out mario 
All right. Uh, I think we're good. Uh, you can find all of our wonderful content, uh, like the Joel Quenville firing and the follow-up analysis by Mr. Jekyll, and then all of the uh, the game that went on today for Mr. Mario Tarabasi, all that good stuff at www.the-rink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media. At The Rink Official is our official account. I try to uh, make sure that I retweet all of our writers as best I can, but I'm not a machine, so sometimes I miss some things. Uh, at The Rinkcast is the Rinkcast account. I am at Puck and Hostel. Mr. Jekyll, you are at J-A-E-C-K-E-L. That's Jekyll on Twitter. Mario underscore Tarabasi. That's our Rockford correspondent and expert. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, I want to thank everyone for going and rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. But please share with your friends, subscribe, and uh, you know leave your, uh, leave your reviews on there. That's only going to help us out and keep things rolling. Um, I don't have any more plugs. I think Mario hit all the good stuff. John, you hit some good stuff. Um, I think that's it as far as plugs go. Did we plug our sponsor? Oh, we could do that again. <laughs> uh, our exclusive sponsor, the premium ho- hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Discount code the rink gets you 10% off. If you could spend over $100, you get free shipping. Uh, they keep rolling out new stuff. Uh, I have to get over to the website and check it out. And I've been a little tight on cash lately, but um, I will get back over there and get some new winter gear. But I've been wearing all my, uh, my HOSA hat. And I got my Hosa hoodie, but Hosa wins them all. Like uh, basically, like a Metallica sweatshirt, uh, my puck hockey T-shirt, uh, all that stuff. You know, I've been wearing it uh, because it's been chilly out, and uh, it's all good stuff. Man. Uh, so I think it's about it. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the road.